Baptist Church. It, um, it is one of those pinnacle moments in the history of a church that will be noted, especially for us here now as we have this service of what we call to uh, refer to as the installation or commissioning service of your co-lead pastors, which is the first for Ebenezer, by the way. We've had lead pastors in the, in the history of our church, but here we start or have started with the co-lead ministry uh, of, this, of this church. And in our dear friends and pastors, Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh, now, the reason that we have waited until this moment in, to do this is because as soon as Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh began their ministry in June, they had many things that they needed to organize and sort through in, this, in going through this transition process, as well as there was vacation time and, and also pre-planned things that they had on their plates that they needed to, to commit to. And then September came and the vacation season came and, and all these things were you know, brought a time where, where do we do this? And so it was best suited for us to do this right after Thanksgiving weekend. And so here we are today. And, and some might be thinking, why bother with an installation service anyway? I mean, they have been hired. They, they've already been doing their job. So let them just get on with it and be our pastors. And, you know, that's a good question, <laughs> but not a, not a sufficient answer uh, in the sense of Let's just let them do it. We are here this morning to do something that is quite significant in the life of our church, and in particular when it comes to the leaders that God has brought to us in the, in the form of these co-leads. Um, so my time is limited. I, I don't, I don't want to belabor this anymore. I want to get right into why we are here and what we are going to, to accomplish in this time together. Uh, first of all, I just want to let you know that this service by no means are we saying that we are approving them to be pastors or that they can now finally be our pastors. That's not it at all. That was decided through the application and the uh, candidating process. That's where everything came together, and as a congregation, we were given the opportunity as, as one voice to hear from God, but then also to, to say, these are the people that we believe God has brought to us. So that was done four months ago. But here we are today doing something different, much more significant in the sense of spiritual. Now, to help us understand, I want to take us through three different moments in the, in the, in the scriptures where we can see some different principles as to why it's significant for us to be doing this as a local body. But then I also want to bring it home to you some of these principles so that you understand that this is something that God is also calling you to that there are some things that we need to be a part of and, and, and put into our own life. I'm going to start with a moment in the Old Testament. There's actually two in the Old, one in the New. But the, the first one comes from a man by the name of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. And before Saul became king, what Israel had was judges that ruled over them. They would go through these times where they were doing well, they didn't think they needed any big leadership, they were doing good, but then all of a sudden they got oppressed and, and, and things started happening by other nations, and so they cried out to God and God would bring them a leader. And some of these leaders are very familiar to us, like Deborah, Gideon, and Samson. Those are only three of, of some of the judges that God brought to them. And when he brought these judges to them, things straightened out, they got, they got peace again, and they felt like, hey, this is cool. Then their leader would pass on, and then they would just go back to their old way. They would start doing life their way. 
And by doing that, they started to succumb to the cultures around them, and then they get oppressed again, and they cry out to the Lord. Now, what they noticed is when, when other nations were coming around and oppressing them, they noticed that these nations had kings. And they thought to themselves, wouldn't it be nice if we had a king? <laughs> they forgot they had a king. But they wanted an earthly king. And so they let Samuel, the prophet Samuel, know, we want a king. And this really disappointed Samuel. It disappointed the Lord. But the Lord told Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And that's a sad commentary. Let's always be very clear that the Lord is our king, and no human can ever assume this role over us when it comes to our spiritual allegiance. Yes, we have prime ministers, we have presidents, we have premiers, we have king over the commonwealth, but that is all government. Governments that the Lord, yes, he has a part in that, and he puts in place those to govern, but they are simply there for government purposes. Our king is Jesus Christ. Our king is the Lord of lords, God of heaven, the sovereign God. We have our allegiance to him and him alone. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 9, the Lord reveals to the prophet Samuel that, okay, so they want a king. This is who this king will be. His name is Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 10, Samuel anoints Saul to be the king, and he tells Saul of different signs that he will uh, encounter that will affirm that he has indeed been appointed by God to be the king. And after he has experienced these signs, he is supposed to go to a place called Gilgal, and he is supposed to wait there for seven days and do nothing. Just wait. Wait on the Lord. Just wait for me, Samuel says. Wait for me, Saul, to come back, and we will complete what I am, have been called to do in your life. So after this meeting, these two men part their ways, and Saul experiences all these signs that Samuel told him that he would experience, these signs of proving and affirming that, yes, he is the king. So after he's experienced them all, he does what he's supposed to do next. He goes to Gilgal, and he starts to wait, and he's waiting. Seven days he waits. And while he's waiting, the, uh, the, the Philistines are starting to regroup themselves to come in and conquer Israel. And it still happens today. And they're coming in after Israel, and, and they're, they're getting themselves ready to do this. And, and Saul is made aware that this is happening, that they are gathering themselves for this purpose, and yet he is supposed to wait. He is to do nothing. And the people of Israel are getting restless because they don't want to be caught off guard, and they're wondering, why isn't their king doing something? But they have to do something, so they scatter. And Saul can't wait for Samuel any longer, and he takes matters again into his own hands, and he does it his way. And it's obvious that he is the king because all these signs affirm that he's king, but he can't wait. So he says, the best thing for me to do is get this over with. And we catch up on this in 1 Samuel 13, where in verse 9, it's described like this. So Saul said, bring the burnt offerings here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. 
And as soon as he is finished with the sacrificing, who shows up? Samuel. Samuel arrives. He sees what is going on. In verse 11, we see these words. Samuel said to Saul, what have you done? And Saul tries to explain himself and why he did these things and why, why he did the actions that he did. Verse 13, Samuel continues. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Samuel's point is this to Saul. This was a moment for you to stop doing whatever you think is best and stop doing your own way all I asked you to do is wait. This was a time for you to wait on God and let him lead you personally, for him to invest in you, a time for you to be an example to others and practice complete submission and humility as God's chosen vessel, leader. And Samuel's closing words to him were this. You failed. This is the significance of pastoral installation service. It is a symbol of submission and humility. Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh have submitted and humbled themselves to the Lord's leading. And you're going to hear a little more about this in the, in the, near the end of our service. But they have submitted to the Lord. And they submitted that they are to be the co-lead pastors. And it wasn't a decision on their own to say, here, this fulfills my will for my life. No, it was, this is God's will for the church and for them personally. And what you will experience today, today is them publicly humbling themselves in submission, first to God and then to you, to fulfill the calling that God has on their lives. You will witness a better example today than the example of Saul. And what is that example that you could glean from them today? The example is this. We all must learn and practice submission and humility before the Lord and others. It begins with the Lord, always begins with the Lord. If we live in such a way that we think we can do whatever we think without submitting and humbling ourselves before the Lord, we are heading for trouble. To be a follower of Jesus Christ requires us to humble ourselves before the Lord. To grow in our relationship with, with Christ requires us to humble ourselves and submit to the Lord. For us to live and move and have our being in a culture that is opposed to God requires us to humble ourselves and submit to the Lord. But then there's also others in our life that we need to submit and humble ourselves to, to have healthy relationships. It is required for us, if we want healthy relationships, to humble ourselves first to the Lord and then to others. That we accept when we are wrong and we apologize. That we will let others into our life to speak into our life in order to learn and accept whatever advice they have to offer. And the reason why people struggle with this is because pride has such a grip on them 
that they feel that if they open themselves up in such a way that they submit to the Lord and they submit to others, what that is, is it's a sign or a demonstration of weakness and incompetence. And nothing could be further from the truth. Saul shows us when we do not submit and humble ourselves first to the Lord and then to others, that it's a very poor decision. And Samuel says it's foolish. From Saul, we move on to a second moment in Scripture, and it follows right on the, on the heels of Saul. Uh, the Lord wastes no time. Now, okay, so Saul's not obviously the right guy, and so who is going to be the one who should be king over Israel? And so you may remember the story of Samuel going to the household of Jesse, and he stand, he's there at Jesse's house, and he's presented with seven of Jesse's sons, and David says, no, these, the Lord has said to me, these are, these are not... Any of these guys are not the right guy. Is there not one more? And so they said, well, there's this one. He's my youngest. He's out in the field. He's a shepherd. And this is David. And so David comes in 1 Samuel 16. He comes before Samuel. And we read this. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. This is the significance of pastoral installation service. It is a moment of empowering for ministry. We know that Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. In this, they are no different than any other believer. At the time of salvation, at the time of us saying before the Lord, I accept Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, at that moment, the Holy Spirit is given, which is often referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is the moment that the spiritual gifts are given, and this is the moment where sanctification begins. But today, we, the congregation, seek God to empower his anointed spiritual leaders of Ebenezer Baptist Church that he would anoint them by his spirit for this reason, that by the Holy Spirit they will hear from God, not just to lead, teach, preach, and disciple, but as 2 Peter 3.18 says, for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says these words, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, often interpreted as pastors and teachers. For what reason? to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes." Now, this is what Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh have been called to as our spiritual leaders. This is a big and incredible responsibility and calling, which only by the empowering of the Holy Spirit can they do this and bear fruit. So today we come together as a congregation to seek the Lord on their behalf that 
He would send his Holy Spirit to rush upon them for our spiritual growth and, and our spiritual lives, and, but also, more importantly, his kingdom purposes here within the body of Christ, but also our community and the world that, that we serve and minister to. The third and final moment that I want to share with you comes from the New Testament. Um, in the book of Acts, we see that the, the church is being formed and established. It's the body of Christ. And we see that um, it was made very clear that salvation was not simply for the Jewish people, but for all people. Uh, Paul wrote in, in Galatians 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So after that great event of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the church grew, but it also, because of persecution, scattered. And as a result, the local church was birthed. People were scattered to different communities, different parts of the then known world, and they went to different parts of that region, and they tried to find any place that they could to find safety, but also to worship. But there were no places of worship, so they developed their own place of worship called the local church. And people came together and in those gatherings, and they gathered around the fellowship of the word and prayer. In Acts chapter 13, we read of a time when a local church in Antioch was gathered, and they were in prayer, and they installed two men to go on into mission work. And I want you to look at this moment, Acts chapter 13 where it says this, while they were worshiping, that is the congregation, while the congregation was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to the congregation, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is the significance of pastoral installation service. It is a time to increase unity within the body of Christ the body of believers. The reason their unity increased in Antioch was because as a local church, they took time to fast and pray. Teresa and I started attending Ebenezer 14 months ago. And it was during that time, 14 months ago, that church leadership was still deciphering whether to go with a co-lead pastor model or the one-lead pastor model. By the way, leadership did an amazing job in their work and process. Wouldn't you agree? Okay. They did. It was amazing. But what was so exciting for Teresa and I was the number of invitations that leadership gave for us as a congregation to come together and pray. And because of that emphasis on prayer and the continued emphasis on prayer to this day, the unity within the body of believers is increasing. And today, through this service, it's going to be increasing even further. By the way, the same is true when it comes to marriage and family. When there is an emphasis on prayer, it will increase unity. In prayer, we communicate to the Lord. We all know that. I'm having a conversation with God. That's what we say. We simplify the sense that I'm just having a talk with God, but we know it's much more than that because we're meeting with the King of Kings. So we, we know this. We're communicating with God. But did you realize that when you are with your spouse, with your family, if you're so inclined, if you're in this day and age where you are single, 
Did you know that when you go into a prayer time with others, that you are not simply just communicating with God, but you're communicating to others? You are communicating to others your heart. You're communicating to others where you're at with your journey with the Lord. You may be sharing things that in prayer that you're saying, Lord, just please give me direction or bless you, Lord, for blessing me. And, and you're having these moments, this conversation with the Lord, but you're communicating with others. It draws unity. In the local church in Antioch, they were praying and they were fasting. As a church, we, along with leadership, have prayed. And through prayer, God has revealed to us that these are the men who have been set apart and that he has brought them to us. Here we are today through our church leadership. We will lay hands on Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh, acknowledging they are our spiritual leaders set apart by God. Isn't it a wonderful feeling to know that we aren't divided, but fully unified? Like Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And today through prayer and this service, we see the fruit of being unified. What a blessing. Both Pastor Santosh and Pastor Chet have been on a journey that the Lord has been leading in their lives right from the time that he created them. They didn't know it at the time, nor did they even know it on the journey. But the Lord was leading them to come here, to be in co-lead pastoral ministry together. And along that journey, they've had mentors in their life that have been very significant in, in their lives and preparing them for this day. And so we're going to be showing two videos. One is a video uh, by a mentor in, in Pastor Santosh's life whose name is Daryl Johnson. He was a professor at Regent College that, uh, that Pastor Santosh sat under and was, was uh, mentored through. And, and for Pastor Chet, it was uh, a man by the name of Gordy McDonald. He is the former director of Youth with a Mission in Montana. And so we're going to hear these men share a greeting. Well, Santosh. It's a great joy for me to be able to give you a word of blessing and exhortation as you are now installed as a pastor in Saskatoon. It's been my privilege to walk with you, well, I think like 20 years now, uh, when you became a student at Regent and we became acquainted and then as you've gone to various places. And I've watched you grow as a disciple, as a leader, uh, maturing as a preacher, and I'm thrilled that you're now in that congregation that's receiving you so well, and I just have this great sense that you and the congregation are in for a wonderful journey in Christ. Uh, my exhortation to you would simply be, remember who you are, and remember who you are not. And where I get this from is John the Baptist. More and more, I'm thinking that John the Baptist is a real model for us in ministry. And you might remember that John had a lot of notoriety and the religious leaders from Jerusalem sent emissaries to him to ask who he was. And I'm struck by the fact that John responds first by saying who he is not. I'm not Messiah, I'm not Elijah, I'm not one of the prophets. So he begins with saying, I'm not all those great figures, I'm not those people that people look up to and have great expectations for. I'm not them. Then who are you? And he says, I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness. 
That's your job, to be the voice for the one who is Messiah, who is the great prophet, who is the great savior. And as you study John the Baptist, you notice that he has a fundamental posture. He does not deviate from this posture. And that's my word of exhortation. You do not deviate from the posture. His posture is, I'm not, but behold. He's always pointing away to Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the one who baptizes in and with the Holy Spirit. Behold, this is the Son of God. This is the Savior of the world. And may you find great joy as you keep pointing. Bless you, brother. Good morning. My name is Gordy McDonald, and it's my privilege today to be able to share with you a word of commendation for Chet Ingram. I was a director of youth with a mission in Lakeside, Montana for many of the years that Chet served with us on staff. He's become a very dear friend and colleague, and it's been a great joy to watch him as he has matured into this new role that you are praying him into this morning. It came to my mind, Paul's words to Timothy, when he was describing to Timothy, what do you wanna look for in a leader that you're putting forward? I'd like to read those words to you this morning. If anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, good, but there are preconditions. A leader must be well thought of, committed to his wife, cool and collected, accessible and hospitable. He must know what he's talking about, not be over fond of wine, not pushy, but gentle, not thin skinned, not money hungry. He must handle his own affairs well attentive to his own children and having their respect. For if someone is unable to handle their own affairs, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new believer, lest the position go to his head and the devil trip him up. Outsiders must think well of him, or else the devil will figure out a way to lure him into his trap. I've known Chet for over 25 years. I've seen him in our work at Youth with a Mission in Montana. I've seen him at the church, having the privilege to come up and share a couple of retreats for the adult, young adult group. When we're thinking about leaders these days, sometimes we look for the flash perhaps or other kinds of things, certainly not the things that Paul mentions here. It's interesting that almost all the qualities that we hear in this particular passage have to do with character, integrity, internal things. And I can say to you, from an up close and personal relationship with Chet, that these qualities are the ones that mark his life. He's also a delight to be with. He's charismatic. There's so many things that I could say about him, but the most important thing is that these qualities are abundant in his life. So it's a joy to commission him this day. And I'm encouraging you to stand behind him in prayer and support. He will be an amazing leader, has been an amazing leader, and will continue to do so. And I believe that not only will Saskatoon be richer for this new team that's forming, but in the future, the world will be touched in a time when it needs to be touched. So many things are being shaken. So I'm just so happy to be able to say to you this morning, as you pray for Chet, that uh, you are praying for a man that I have known for many years and would consider him if I lived in Saskatoon, it would not be difficult to say he's my pastor. Thank you. So good to hear the testimony of mentors in our lives. 
And those are two great men that have invested greatly in our pastors. As we continue into the formal part of this installation service, I want to stress something very clearly, that we are not elevating these men, but rather respecting them for our spirit, as being our spiritual leaders, recognizing that they are simply responding to God's call in a specific area of ministry that He has brought them to, which is true of all believers, all followers of Christ. We are called not only to be a child of God through Christ, but to grow in a discipling relationship with Christ and to be obedient to use our spiritual gifts in ministry within the body of Christ and the world. And the greatest thing we can do, Scripture tells us, is follow the leadership of our church and the co-lead pastors as they are accountable to our leadership, that we would follow them that they can equip us and be very instrumental in our journey. Hebrews 13, verse 17 tells us, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. There are others we need to acknowledge at this time. Chet's wife, Lindsay, and Santosh's wife, Felicia. These women are very significant in the life and ministry of their husband. These men would not be the men they are today if it weren't for their wife. I know both Chet and Santosh are very open to first hearing from God, but they are also in a great relationship with their wife where they can have this kind of communication with God, but hear from God through their wife. And both of these couples have modeled faithfulness in their marriage. And I know that both of these men deeply respect their wives as gifted by the Holy Spirit, that he has brought them together for the purposes of his kingdom. The best we can do is respect Lindsay and Felicia for the call that God has on their lives. First, that they are one with their husband. And then second, give both of these women the freedom to engage in ministry that God has gifted them for, but has also called them to. At this time, I'm going to ask Chet and Santosh to come onto the platform with me. And while they're coming, I, will, I want to acknowledge their children. Chet and Lindsay's children, James and Evelyn, and Santosh and Felicia's children, Adam, Sophia, and James. Each of these children are a blessing from God to these parents. As a result, we need to pray for God's protection over them and that they would know that they are their own individual. Sometimes pastors' kids feel they're following in the shadows. They are their own individuals, deeply loved by God the Father and their parents. So Chet and Santosh, we are going to install you as the co-lead pastors of Ebenezer Baptist Church. And at this point, I'm going to be sharing covenant questions with them, and then after that, I'm going to be sharing covenant... Sorry, totally forgot. Covenant questions with um, you as a congregation. So let's start with Pastor Santosh and Pastor Chet. I'm going to ask one question to both of them. They'll both respond. So if I could have the first slide, please. Do you believe with all your heart that God has called you to be the co-lead pastors and spiritual leaders for Ebenezer Baptist Church? I do. I do. 
Do you covenant to follow Jesus and pursue a close and intimate relationship with him, modeling the life of one who loves God, follows God, and is sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit to serve this body of believers and community with humility, servanthood, sacrifice, and joy? I do. I do. Do you covenant to grow in a loving, supporting relationship with your wife, praying for her and loving her as Christ loved the church? Do you affirm that your marriage is a part of the ministry and call God has given to you? I do. I do. Do you covenant to guard against the responsibilities of ministry to come before your wife and children, that your wife will not feel second and your children not feel neglected? I do. I do. Having responded to this covenant, Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh, I give you this charge from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Congregation, you have heard Pastor Santosh and Pastor Chet's acceptance and covenant to carry out their duties as your co-lead pastors. Their success in ministry is not uh, dependent solely on their gifting, their personality, or their likability. And I know you like them. They are great, great guys. Their success is dependent on their trust in the Lord and their leaning upon God's guidance. But there's more to it. Their success also rests in the part that you have as a congregation. So with this, I would like you as a congregation to please stand and respond to some questions. And if I could have the first slide put up, please. Congregation, do you believe that God has called Pastor Santosh and Pastor Chet to be your co-lead pastors and spiritual leaders? If so, will you please respond by saying, we do. As your co-lead pastors are faithful to God and their calling, will you covenant to follow their leadership, knowing that God is using them to equip you and grow you in your faith relationship with Christ? If so, will you please respond by saying, we will. Will you covenant to pray for and support Pastor Santosh and Pastor Chet in the ministry that God has called them to? Will you pray for their spiritual protection, for their marriages, and for their family, knowing that the evil one is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? If so, will you respond by saying, we will. Do you covenant to use your gifts and abilities to engage in ministry alongside your co-lead pastors and other staff, making the load light and a joy? If so, will you respond by saying, we will? I'm going to ask you to remain standing. If you feel that you at any point feel like you just need to sit down, you go ahead, do that. But if you can, please stay standing. At this time, I'd like to call on the leadership of the church to come to the platform. They're going to gather around Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh for a time of prayer and commissioning. But before that prayer time happens, I'm going to have um, 
Myron Johnson, the, uh, the uh, leader of the leadership team, to come share just a brief testimony of God's leading. Thanks, Matt. So it was almost three years ago now that our lead pastor, Leighton Erickson, came to us as the board and said it was time to discern what God has in store for the future leadership of Ebenezer and what a succession plan could look like as part of this. The board started by praying, and we had conversation together as a board and with Leighton, which led us to forming a succession planning committee as the first official step in this plan. We invited the church to join us in this process of discernment. Many of you committed significant amounts of time and energy into this process, being a part of the engagement sessions, consistently praying for wisdom and discernment in this process, and we're just so thankful for that. Fast forward to just over four months ago, and we can praise God for how he heard our prayers and answered. He made his calling clear to Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh, and he made our calling as a church clear to support them as our lead pastors. Pastor Chet and Pastor Santosh were called to lead us and are accountable to God and to us to live out their calling as our lead pastors. But I also want to remind us, just like we covenanted this morning, that as a congregation-led church, that means we're accountable to continue to live out our calling to support, to love, to encourage, and to pray for Santosh and Chet as they lead us. So Chet and Santosh, on behalf of the board and the church, I'd like to publicly acknowledge and commit our congregation to consistently praying for you. We will support you and encourage you, and we will pray that you will be able to test and approve God's will for Ebenezer, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. We thank you for answering God's call on your life, and we commit to supporting you in these ways as you lead us. Thank you, Byron. Um, at this time, I also want to call on the two people from the congregation that are going to be uh, praying. If they would just come to the uh, speaker or the microphones here on the floor, um, we have uh, Angeli and Marshall that are going to be praying on behalf of the congregation. And the reason that, why they are staying on the floor is because they are praying on behalf of you, the congregation. Okay, this is an all-in here. Okay, it's not just leadership saying we'll pray; it's all in. So, as as congregation, uh, we have people that are praying on your behalf. And so, however you want to express yourself during this time of prayer, if you want to have your hands out, or if you just want to, in your mind, be be saying, "I'm I'm praying with these people." However you want to do that. Okay. Now, um, in the first service, I had these gentlemen kneeling for a very very long time, and they passed the test. So, but, but we are still going to follow through with this. Uh, we are going to ask them to kneel, and we're going to move into the prayer time. First, the two from the congregation will pray, and then the two from leadership will pray over them. Loving Heavenly Father, Thank you for being our help these past 69 years at Ebenezer. <clears throat> you are faithful and have kept us in your love and unity. 
we humbly come before you specifically to pray for our co-lead pastors this morning, Santosh and Chet. God, grant that these men and their families be strengthened with might through your spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, that they would be rooted and established in love. They may have power to grasp with all the saints how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ, and know this love that passes knowledge, that they may be filled with all your fullness, God. We pray and ask you to help Chet and Santosh co-lead in love and unity. Help them walk with all lowliness and gentleness, the very heart of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. With patience, bearing with one another in love, keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. May all of their life and ministry be devoted to your glory. May Christ's promises be trusted fully by them so that your peace, joy, and hope would overflow from the depths of their souls. Sanctify them through the Holy Spirit by your word. May they daily love, study, obey, and proclaim it in all of its teaching, and may it be their source of hope and faith for their entire lives. Turn their hearts from selfish gain and their eyes from worthless things. We ask that they would be men of prayer so your word will be open to them by the Holy Spirit. Help them be still and know that you are God. Help them hear your voice clearly. Increase their vision with your plan of redemption through Jesus Christ for all nations. God, grow them in bold faith and winsome holiness that leads others to worship you in their own families, our church family, our city, province, country, and the world for your glory. As Jesus prayed for the disciples, we ask you to take them not out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. Help them stand firm, holding on to the truth of the gospel despite opposition. Fill them with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives to walk worthy of you, pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work, growing in godly knowledge, strengthened with all might according to your glorious power, so that they would have all patience and endurance with joy, always thankful to you, Lord, who has chosen them. Heavenly Father, help us as a church family support them by putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, even as you, Christ Jesus, have forgiven us above all these things. Help us put on love, binding us together in unity amidst diversity, so the world will know your love in Christ Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. May your peace, God, rule our hearts. Give us the grace to be persistent and faithful in interceding for our co-lead pastors, their families, the staff and families in our entire church family. And thank you, Jesus, that you, even in this very moment, are always interceding on our behalf. We trust you, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, To you be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, it's with gratitude that we approach you today and we humbly thank you for the almost 70 years of excellent leadership you've bestowed upon 
and provided for this congregation. Pastors Bill McLeod, John Fast, Wes Long, Paul Magnus, and Leighton Erickson, all godly men who sought your voice and guidance daily. Today, Lord God, we ask again for that leadership quality and character in these two men who we as a congregation believe you've guided us to choose. We ask that you bless deeply Pastor Santosh and Chet, and we pray that their love for you will only deepen as they work and pray and lead together, seeking your face, seeking your grace, and asking for your will as to where and why you wish to take us, your people, in what are undeniably turbulent times. May you strike in these two a respect for each other's abilities and opinions. May their strengths complement each other. May they have hearts that always will listen for you and to each other, as well as to us, seeking, along with fellow staff and our board, to consider and act upon what are your wishes for these, your people. And lastly, we also humbly ask that you would bless deeply and forever protect Chet's and Santosh's families, as indeed we pray the same for all of us. In the name of our Savior Jesus, amen. We rejoice in our Lord Jesus Christ, thanking you for setting apart Santosh and Chet through the Holy Spirit to serve as lead pastors of this church. We pray that you will bless them and fill them with wisdom, good judgment, courage, zeal, patience, and your love that they might serve you and this congregation well. We pray for unity among the congregants so Chet and Santosh can focus their energies on building your kingdom. We pray that you would let these pastors find respite and relaxation from their days, that you would clear their minds, give them good sleep. And refresh them nightly for another day of kingdom service in order to continue in faithful service to you over many years. This I pray in the name of the Great Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we sang this morning, you know our need for you, and we cannot accomplish anything of eternal or lasting value without you. And so we just ask that you would be our guide as a church congregation as we support Chet and Santosh as the ones that you have chosen to lead us. We ask that your favor would rest upon them. Lord, we ask that you would allow them to hear your voice clearly and that they would have the courage to follow your voice where it leads. Bring them to our minds consistently that we would be convicted to pray for them. Your word calls us to hold up Pastor Santosh and Pastor Chet in the highest regard and love because of their work. So help us to live this out as a church congregation as we submit to their leadership. In your name, amen.
Congregation may be seated. This time we're going to call on the worship team to come and be prepared to share a closing song. But before they do, Pastor Santosh and Pastor Chet are going to share a brief word. This is, uh, excuse me, been a very moving and encouraging uh, service. I'm very grateful to Matt Tykrog, Myron Johnson, and the board uh, for the congregants who prayed today. Thankful for Chet, who I'm humbled to serve alongside. Grateful to the other pastors and staff that I have the privilege to serve alongside. We have one of the most amazing church teams and staff teams in the world. Uh, my parents are here this morning. I'd like to thank them for their prayers and support over the years. I'm sure there were times when I was a teenager, you couldn't imagine I'd be standing here, but God is gracious. Uh, Felicia, my wife, who supported and prayed for me throughout our marriage and ministry, thank you. My kids, Adam, Sophia, and James, who helped me to be a good pastor by teaching me to be patient and forgiving to them. You know, there are millions of churches in the world, and there are millions of pastors in the world. But in the sovereignty and the good plan of God, he's chosen me to serve this church at this particular time in its history. It's not luck or fate or chance that I'm here. It's God's will. I was reading this in my devotions this week. This is what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1. He's writing this about the church. He says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And I took those words and I contextualized them and I localized them to me and to my calling. And I wrote this in my journal. I am a servant of Ebenezer Baptist Church by the commission that God gave me to present the word of God in its fullness. And I commit myself to the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ and to teach and preach Jesus. And like Paul, I will work with all the energy that Christ himself supplies me. Thank you. And I also, uh, I just want to, I shared this in the first service as well, but I, I just want to say it's very meaningful. Uh, we, we knew in the process of applying and then the vote and your, your vote of affirmation towards us, it was very uh, impacting and, and humbling. To hear your commitment to us this morning was very humbling as well. And it, and it just uh, gives, gives us great encouragement and courage to move forward. So thank you for that. Um, I also want to just thank Matt for putting everything together today and, and guiding this. This was a, a key thing for us as a whole church to do. And again, also thank you to Myron and the board, like endless hours and, and heartfelt hours put into this process to our staff team that in this first four months have uh, really let us lead and flex, and, and it's been wonderful. Um, also to Santosh, just uh, we're, I think we're enjoying one another, and we have a high respect for one another, 
and that's been fun to do this together and to share that load. Uh, to Lindsay, my wife, who's, who's been uh, ongoing encouragement and sounding board. And then even to James and Evelyn, my uh, son and daughter, um, you know, in the process of figuring out, am I going to apply, even throw my name in the pot, I, they overheard part of our conversation and, and, you know, were wondering what we were talking about. And they said, well, I'm thinking of applying for this position. And they were like, Dad, I totally think you can do it, you know. And uh, that, was, that was huge. And then also to... Uh, my mom, who I think is here, and, and I know my, my dad passed away in this last year, but I know he, uh, he would be very proud. Um, just going to read a couple of passages. Acts 20. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit is made you, has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought, bought with his own blood. And 1 Peter 5, care for the flock of God entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned in your care, but lead them by your good example. And when the head shepherd comes, your reward will be a never-ending share in his glory and honor. And I just want to say that I, I love the people of our church. Uh, after being here for the, the length that I have, I just appreciate who you are as our church family. Uh, and even as it changes with our growing congregation. Um, and I truly see my role as one of being a steward and a servant, um, that I'm here to serve God in his mission to make him known, to serve our staff team, to serve our church body, to steward your trust that you've given to Santosh and I, uh, to steward our vision of being disciples and making disciples, and right down to the being a steward of, of your giving and your finances. So thank you for trusting me, for trusting us to pastor and to lead you. Uh, and I desire nothing more than to do my best in that calling, um, but would desperately covet your prayers in that journey. So thank you very much. Romans chapter 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.